Thanks for tuning in to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. It would mean the world to us if you could help us spread the gospel message of Jesus by subscribing to, sharing, and leaving a review on this podcast. We are believing to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. Thanks and enjoy this week's message. And so we would like to share with you today uh, 10 different lessons from the marriage Today it being a special day where uh, a lot of people in the world are celebrating Valentine's and everything. And I understand some of you may be watching and, and saying, um, I saw some response. Oh, you're celebrating a pagan birthday. I'm not celebrating Valentine's. I'm celebrating my wife. And so every husband is celebrating their spouse. They're taking time to celebrate the love that they have, sharing nice things on social media concerning the person that they married. And all of you precious single people who are jealous of that and calling this a pagan holiday, God bless you. With a wonderful spouse in your future in Jesus' mighty name. And so we are taking time to celebrate uh, our marriage. We're taking time to celebrate marriages. We're taking time to encourage single people to get married. We are encouraging also people who are maybe today either widows or maybe you're a single mom that God has a blessing in your future. And we would like to share certain principles that we've learned from our life and as well as from the scripture into your marriage. I know different people that I even messaged this morning who are my friends who will be tuning in. So welcome. God bless you guys. Before we jump into sharing about marriage, I would like to share the most important thing when you are a single is this. Is you have to have a proper preparation which will help you to reduce unrealistic expectations that will later on result in having less frustration in your marriage. If we have high expectation, low preparation, we will walk into marriage having great frustration. I know it's a lot of rhyming words, but the reality is this. You go into marriage expecting this, you're prepared for this, the difference between that is going to be a lot of frustration. What are some of the things that we did to help reduce the unrealistic expectation and raise the preparation? Um, yeah, what we did is we uh, went to premarital counseling. We also bought a book and we kind of like, and the book was very practical. It, uh, you know, we kind of studied it a little bit and got at least the, all the information that we could get before we got married, you know, to kind of, you know, to show, we talked about our families. That book actually led us through all the important topics to address before marriage. So when we are married and we meet certain differences that we were like, oh, okay, yeah, we talked about it. We kind of sort of ready for it. So, yeah. I think that if I, if I could summarize it also, as early as you have discovered your desire to get married that is the time that you need to number one pay down your debts number two get rid of demons and addictions and number three is to begin to read on the topic yes. of marriage begin to prepare yourself and be, begin to acquaint you know yourself if, if you're a young girl that means you know get rid of the debt if you're a young guy get rid of debt as well 
uh, pornography addiction, daddy issues, you know, uh, all kinds of other addictions, they will destroy your marriage. When you begin to prepare yourself, because it's not about getting the right person, it's about being the person that God wants you to be for that person. And so a lot of single people who are like, man, but I have my fourth dimension list, I have my desire. You know, God's not going to give you really what you desire. God will give you what you prepare for. And so begin to prepare yourself. Let's actually move it closer. I feel like we're, I'm speaking to um, another female. So, yeah, so this is the line. Let's, let's br br bring, your, bring your closer, way, way closer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. We're just settling, settling down. Number one, the marriage principle from what we've learned. And that is the foundation of a lasting marriage is your freedom is being free in book of Genesis chapter 3 it says that when Adam committed sin God came to Adam and he asked him what happened why did you not show up when God came in and Adam started blaming his wife and then his wife of course she went she was smart theologically sound she blamed the devil she says I didn't do it it was the devil who made me do it and next thing that happens is that their family they start blaming each other they start hiding from each other and they their marriage survived this attack but their children didn't one of their kids not just kind of went out into the bad uh, path one of the kids took a rock and instead of hitting into a tree they hit another kid on purpose and intentionally murdered the child and they went their marriage their family suffered greatly and their first problem started with the devil trying to bring distraction disobedience and deception i really believe that if as a christian you don't understand spiritual warfare in your marriage you will have spouse warfare in your marriage you will fight each other instead of fighting the devil the devil is out to destroy marriages the devil is out to defeat marriages the devil is out to bring adultery distraction the devil is out and we have to understand without spiritual warfare our marriage will not win what are some, what do you think about that uh, yes it's absolutely true just um, when we got married with Vlad so um, this happened I had some of the things that were happening to me which were some demonic attacks that affected our relationship with Vlad so much that it was very difficult but what we did we I, I really like the fact that when we realized that it it's not just me being that bad person but it's the enemy attacking me and through that our marriage when we realized that you know Vlad no longer you know was attacking me you know for doing certain things for being certain way uh, but we were attacking the issue the enemy that depression or that you know those emotional insecurities whatever that that was in my life it was uh, you know depression loneliness and all of that was like a dark cloud on me that affected our relationship everyday everyday life and so when we started to pray against that and when the things came up in our daily life Vlad wasn't blaming me oh you're this and that Can, can't you snap out you know that would have hurt me even more than I was already hurting mm -hmm. 
but he was hey babe let me how can I help you let's pray together when we switch our you know focus on you know that's not to attack your spouse but to attack the issue and fight together with your spouse that you know that that changes the game somebody said marriage is like a beautiful garden where we have to pull weeds plant seeds and kill the snakes if you don't kill snakes in your marriage you will kill your spouse not physically but with your words and so we have to understand there is a snake in every marriage's garden every marriage has a snake and a lot of times what we do is we talk to snakes we listen to snakes instead of kill them and throw them out of our gardens and so if you are watching this right now or if you are maybe re-listening this and you are attacking your spouse you have to attack the snake so what do we do in spiritual warfare if we're married and let's say one of the spouses has an addiction or maybe one of the spouses is currently under attack very simple two practical tips one affirm the person attack the problem spiritual warfare teaches us we attack the problem which is usually spiritual which is usually not the person and secondly is we affirm the person if you don't understand spiritual warfare what typically happens is we attack the person and affirm the problem and then we divorce the person move on with the new one and the pattern of dealing with spiritual problems by physical methods continue and we destroy one relationship another relationship another relationship God wants you to be equipped God wants us to be equipped to do spiritual warfare when attacks started to happen you know with my wife I started to understand this is spiritual this is not physical the devil is out to destroy my life he's out to destroy my marriage and my ministry and so destroying this person is not going to win this battle I have to combine together with this person and together we have to throw the snake out of our garment out of our garden so I want to encourage you that if you encounter spiritual problem right now in your marriage you might need deliverance you perhaps might need counseling but please do not resort to divorce as your only option deliverance might be the option that is going to bring healing to that person and restoration to that marriage the second principle that we would like to share that honestly came at the cost to me and to my wife and still is coming and that is it's not our job to change our spouse our job is to obey God in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 it says the following nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself let the wife see that she respects her husband yes this is a very powerful point because it's it's so simple we all know that we don't need to change uh, another person but when it comes to the daily life you know it's it's not that easy but when we have that understanding in simple things you know okay I'm not going to be making him into something I'm just gonna let it go let it let let him be be let let him just be and when I got that revelation you know that no, set me free. But we're not talking about I, somebody yes. who's like addicted to pornography, gambling or that. Yes of course no it's just uh, we're talking about a picking simple up clothes. picking up clothes, simple things just his personality that clashes with my personality but at the same when time. When I want to wear a particular type of clothes that you do not approve of. Yes for example I told him to wear the sweater this morning he didn't want to. I did not. Okay I was like but it's gonna be good for our you know conversation here I wanted to have a, a button-up shirt yeah underneath. and just a black sweat I'm like and no let's not do that and so you know what I come up to him I decided to let it go and I'm like babe whatever you want to wear today you can wear and he's like you know what no I'll wear that sweater that you told me this is what we're talking about I was but also 
Yes, but also, you know, um, God, we need to obey God. You know, in the Bible, it says that, you know, the husband should love the wife and the wife should respect the husband. Mm -hmm. It's the husband needs to know women, wife, that you respect him. Not only like you think you respect him, but he needs to tell you, you know what? I, I know and I feel that you respect me. And I think that's, you know, one of the important things. Yeah, the Bible doesn't just, you know, tell us to love our wives, but we have to communicate that love. And a wife needs to feel loved. One of the dangerous questions you can ask your, your wife as a husband is this, and be very careful uh, right away for the response. Do you feel loved by me? I remember one time when we were in the restaurant and I asked you that question and there was this long pause. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what's the pause for? I was like, the answer is supposed to be like, before even I finish the questions, but yeah, 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 of course, uh -huh, 100%. And so the fact that you took a pause made me, you know, kind of wonder that deep on inside, I love you, but that doesn't mean that you feel that love. And every, every wife might respect her husband, but you must understand, does he know he's respected? Does he, is he respected in front of the children? Is he respected in front of your other friends? Is he respected in the public? Or are you constantly ridicule make fun of him and then you say well he doesn't love me but does he get respected it plays into this cycle one of you has to mature and grow up and obey God the problem with some of us is that is this we are busy doing God's job trying to change the person not realizing we cannot even change ourselves that is the work of the Holy Spirit we have to yield to the Holy Spirit and he changes us we cannot change the other person God can do that but it could happen if we obey God when you you obey God and what God called you to do you will be surprised how God will begin to change the person you were wishing and hoping they'll change and so that is the secret is if you stop changing the other person and allowing God to change you now we are not referring to abuse we are not referring right now to a person raising his hand cursing we're not referring to alcohol we're not referring to drugs or adultery we're referring to certain things that we do that drive each other crazy the success of a marriage comes not in finding the right person but in, in the ability of both partners to adjust to the real person they inevitably realized they married. Um, I said one time your, your spouse is like a flower. Flowers don't grow by being pulled. They have to be watered and we have to be patient for them to grow because they always grow slowly. Don't be guilt tripping, stingy, demanding, controlling and manipulating that will never change the other person. That is not a reflection of what God wants you to be as a husband and that is not a reflection of what God wants you to be as a wife. Um, Jezebel's spirit will never change a husband. It will drive a husband away or make him a weak sauce, a person with a pacifier. But And the same thing with the husband being brood, being harsh, being mean. I told you so. I'm the man in the house and I'm the head and all of this stuff. If you have to reclaim your authority every single time, it means you got none. And so you, you gain your authority through serving. You are a servant leader in this house. You are a person who leads gently. A person who has to love the spouse. The Bible doesn't tell the wife to love the husband. It tells the husband to love the wife. The submitting to the husband is not that difficult. 
if the husband does his job now there are still crazy women who regardless of what you do they will not submit just as as well there are crazy husbands no matter how respectful the wife is the guy is just really harsh and really mean and those guys they need to be born again they need to be delivered and they need to take the sanctification course with the holy spirit so they can become better followers thus becoming better spouses yes. and i think uh, the main the main thing is never to focus on changing the person or even change in general That's because good. like Vlad mentioned that we can change even ourselves That's so good. and we're always expecting God when are you going to change him mm. like when we don't focus on that at all you know but uh -huh. when we are focusing on, on obe uh, obedience to the word of God mm -hmm. which is said says respect honor your husband and for the husband to love his wife this is when the holy spirit will begin the work of change in the areas that yes. we're so desperate so for. Good. like we we have a statement that says growing people change so if we focus on growing in our obedience to god we change and then it causes a common normal person who's not crazy honestly to respond back we're changing themselves like the moment you know I was a little stubborn this morning you know I'm doing my devotional and my wife prepares my clothes you know she kind of I trust her and I submit to her in this area she has the creative edge um, not me and so and then when she offered that and I already had these particular clothes that I was supposed to wear in my mind and you know and when she came in and she's like you know what sounds good I'll uh, wear you know whatever you want your ugly clothes she didn't say that but I felt like that tone wear your ugly clothes um, and then the moment she changed I was like well you know I don't want to be left out I want to change too and stuff so uh, for the person who recognizes who is the first person who changes that is the person who's the most mature in that relationship the person who repents first the person who says I am sorry I was wrong let's do it your way is the person who's most mature in the relationship and today my wife was more mature but then I wanted to catch up too I didn't want to be left behind <laughs> and stuff and so um number three learn to complain instead of criticize your spouse we share this all the time we've heard it from Jimmy and Karen Evans um, the difference between complaining complaining is a bad word for a lot of Christians but in marriage complaining is a good word because complaining shares your feelings criticism is attacking the other person yeah and I think that when for example a uh, as a wife you know the first reaction is to you know I'm hurting just I just want to attack because it's your fault you know and when we learn in the proper way to complain and you know husbands or wives it's okay to receive complaint you know complaints from your spouse and you have to be okay with that and you have to give a room for your spouse to complain to you if you don't give room to your spouse that you know I cannot come to Vlad and complain to him and tell him you know I feel like I'm not loved you know that's a complaint that's not a like criticism the criticism would be you know I know you don't love me you know and that's like whoa okay there's nothing he can do to change that almost you know your hands go down but 
it's very important to allow, you know, this room for your spouse to complain to you, to come and share the feelings. If you don't, you know, that person will find another spot, another person to Ouch. complain to. And Ouch. even women will find other women to complain to the same things mm -hmm. that, you know, a woman should be complaining to her husband. And those other women, they might give a completely like wrong advice to you and you will receive Especially that advice single. and it will affect marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or a lot of times that woman will start sharing to another guy. I mean, that's, yes. that doesn't give an excuse. But so it's important that a marriage becomes a good place. And this is mainly for the husbands to listen to, to listen to the complaint. Now, for the wife, I would really encourage that when you complain, you say, I feel instead of you don't. And the second part is that don't use words never and always. Words never and always only belong to God and to the devil, not to us. You never say I love you. Well, if he said I love you before you guys got married, that word is no longer applicable. Oh, you always, you know, forget to put your coat into the closet. You always not do this and not do that. You always forget our anniversary. Well, if you remembered anniversary one time, that always doesn't apply. Be very careful because words never and always, they make the argument seem bigger and they justify your anger and your frustration. And then what happens is we actually blow things out of the proportion. And so, but when the spouse comes in and has the right to say, you know, I really feel like that. And the other person doesn't go into this defense mode, but instead they listen, which is our number four. And this is honestly the most hardest part because I know the part about, you know, complain, don't criticize. I've heard about it. We tried to practice the first year, which was very difficult to do. And one of the reasons why it was dif difficult to do for me as a guy is because I don't listen to understand. The moment you start a conversation, I am waiting for you to finish so I can respond. I listen to respond, not to understand. And that's just probably not only my problem, but a lot of, it's a human thing. And I want you to see what... Um, Alana's going to read a little story. I want you to see what James 1.19 says. So then my beloved brethren and sistren, that's not what the Bible says, I'm just adding. And sisters, let each man be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. So I want you to see three S's. The swiftness to hear, the slowness to speak and then slowness to, to wrath. Someone said we have two ears and one mouth which means that we have to twice as much listen as we speak. If you can train your character to listen to the person, not only finish, and I know we have some people who are long-winded. The moment they, they start, whatever they can say, they can, it could be said in a fraction of the time. And it makes it a little bit more difficult for us because we become impatient. But this is what I am learning, and especially in marriage. Marriage cannot thrive if you don't listen to understand instead of what you're doing is you're listening so you can quickly respond say oh no that's not a problem no you you feel love love, love mommy come on I mean look look at me I, I put you in the house you, you're doing fine you should not be feeling that are you on your monthly period right now are you okay have you been taking extra dose of this or extra dose of that um no that's that's not a problem see that's not listening to understand that's listening to respond yeah and sometimes the response is not even necessary at all mm. <laughs> because many times women just want to be heard and they don't need like right away let me fix this situation 
<laughs> I remember when you came up one time and there was a boss, your, your previous boss, because now I'm your boss, so, uh, the previous boss, um, that, that the post office that was causing a lot of pain and you came in crying one time. And so I asked for his name. And uh, so I can, you know, go to work and, um, you know, act on uh, Christian or maybe call a few of my guys who are still not fully sanctified and stuff. And so I'm like, I'm going to go take care of the problem. And I remember my wife looked at me and she says, I'm not telling you this so you can go beat him up. I'm not even telling you this so you can go to my work. I'm telling you, can you just listen? And I was like, well, what do you mean listen to me? He's going to do the same thing tomorrow. He's doing all of these things. And, you know, fortunately, uh, things happen and he no longer worked there. Um, after a while but at the same time that was a big learning because I'm over there outraged I'm thinking about what I'm going to do I'm thinking about how I'm going to find his address what I'm going to do at this house how I'm going to come at this front door the first con she, she's speaking and I'm already contemplating you know which tools I'm going to take with me you know to his house and all of those things and she's like stop I'm not telling you this so you go fix it I'm telling you this so you can understand me and make me feel better which for us as guys who fix things that that's very difficult to do I'm just gonna read um so Vlad and I went to the marriage conference that we recently had. And I, on a, on a side note, I just want to encourage every single married couple to go through marriage conferences on a regular basis. Once a year or maybe once in two years, it's very, very important to reset your uh, marriage and your understanding. We were really blessed. And um, at that conference, I won this journal you know, daily journal devotional. or devotional that we, we have been doing with Vlad every single night. He's reading it to me. and I um, think it's the fasting it's because I am not a <laughs> devotional guy. Yes. Uh, couples that pray together stay together I always said couples that pray together don't stay together and so this was just in my small circles I never preached on that but I just never I never you know we have our own prayer life and we yeah. pray for each other in the moment we had some problems and stuff so but um but during this marriage thing they gave us this and I was like you know I really felt let's just uh, do it right let's just you know take a moment each day each evening and you know um and just kind of read together and yeah. pray for each other and so it's been i think seven day or, or eight day or something so it's been uh amazing. and so here's a little story about listening um from this book it's really really sweet story a group of carpenters building an ice uh an ice house in the north country of canada was taking a lunch break when the boy came up to them and heard their conversation one of them saying a watch um, he had lost at some point in the working process so a guy lost his watch yeah uh -huh. um he looked for that uh, watch for a few hours and he hadn't be able to be able he hadn't been able to find it and the boy says would you mind if i went into the ice house and looked they uh he the boy asked uh yeah sure the man laughed certain certain he'd never find anything in a dark room with no electricity in so the, there's these guys are building an ice house in canada one guy lost his watch and a boy came in, so they looked for that watch, couldn't find it. And the boy came in, he's like, can I go into that big ice house and look for the watch? The problem is there's no electricity there. So they laughed at him. They're like, well, you're not going to find it because we were looking and we didn't find it. And look what the boy does. So within 30 seconds, the boy came out holding his watch in his hand. The carpenters couldn't believe it. How did you find it? They asked him. And this is what the boy said. It was simple. I just stood in the middle of the room, stood still and listened for ticking. And so he found the watch. So 
So that's how he found the watch. And that's how you can find your love. That's how you can find your spouse back. You can find um, the connection if you just simply stand and listen. Yes. He just stood there. He listens. And the, the watch makes a noise. You know, not these watches, but the other ones, uh, the nice ones. They, they made a noise. And that's how he found the watch. And I really wondered how many people lost, you know, their love, their first love, lost the connection. And if they could only get in the middle of the relationship and honestly just listen listen and they'll hear things they'll change i remember when you know even at the marriage conference we started to talk and i presented certain issues that you know that i felt like we had you presented certain things and we started to listen to each other it started to bring um you started to hear the other person's heart you started to hear you started to notice your sin you started to notice your mistakes you started to notice how accustomed you justified certain behaviors that are not right before the lord and the other person can manage with you but you don't want marriage that's manageable. You want marriage that's thriving. And for that to happen, you have to listen. You have to use this more than we use this. Number five, speak the love language of your spouse. Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Falling in love is chemistry. It happens by chance walking in love is a choice falling in love doesn't require any sacrifice no giving on your end no death to self falling in love is really it's it's a chemistry there's a lot of infatuation it lasts this obsessive period could last about two years and after two years it completely fades away and people get frustrated because they say we are out of love you will see these couples regular saying we're no longer we're no longer compatible i'm like didn't you know that when you i mean she's a he it's, it's a she and you are he of course they're going to be different and so i mean she's very different than you are opposites attract and then opposites attack but this is the real problem is that people fall out of love and people who do that usually don't know how to walk in love if you ever felt you know when you were walking and you tripped up you found out a few things when you fell you were distracted um you didn't pay attention and then you fell and then when you fell you quickly got bruised up you cleaned whatever the bruises that you had you got up and you started to walk further it's really what falling in love is like sometimes you just just fall in love with somebody but you can't move further in your life because you fell you have to learn to walk how do you walk in love you learn to speak the language of the person you married what makes them feel loved and i think it was one our author gary chaplin he outlined five love languages which you know we know that they are words quality time gifts acts of service and physical touch i saw a uh, graphic about five language five love languages uh, with coffee <laughs> words is uh, coffee is delicious quality time is let's go for coffee gifts is here's some coffee acts of serving i made you coffee Good one. <laughs> physical touch let me hold you as coffee come on somebody <laughs> no sleeve one, no yeah. stopper warm jesus amen you know um vlad and i we are opposite in absolutely everything anything i that found you that very attractive imagine. when we were dating and then yeah. i found that very difficult at first few years of marriage yeah the kind of foods we like is absolutely different absolutely the kind of different. colors we like to wear everything absolutely like different. anything that you touch we are so different the the fun that we like to have is different like what kind of things we like to do everything is different 
what we have in common is Jesus. <laughs> okay, and that is what's the most important thing. But with that comes a lot of uh, mistakes that we have done in, in a way that we try to, you know, make each other feel loved or, you know, know that we are loved. And so I remember one time that I was working all day and Vlad wasn't working. It was a Saturday and he wanted to make me, you know, feel appreciated and feel loved. And so what he did is he cleaned the whole house, like spotless. He, he did everything. He cleaned and I come home from work and I have, didn't even notice that it was clean, not clean. You know, I was like, that's what he told me. You didn't even notice. I'm like, what am I supposed to notice? <laughs> Because, you know, acts of service, I even cleaning. took your yeah, car from your yeah, work. Even, I cleaned your car. Yes. He drove to my work, took my car, went through the, you know, cleaned uh, my car. Oh my God. And I sat in the car after work, didn't even notice at all. It was funny, but not for him. Okay. He felt like... Because acts of service is my... Yeah, uh, that's his love language. And he was doing to me what he would like, you know, for me to do to him, he, you know, to... It's, to it's like that story when a couple gets married and in the morning the husband brings a breakfast and, and coffee to his wife. And, uh, and she's like, oh my gosh, honey, I always dreamed of having a husband who will bring me uh, food in, in bed and bring me coffee. And he's like, no, 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 hold on. I'm just showing to you what I expect from you from this day forward. <laughs> But yeah, that's anyways, exactly what it was in my it case. Was, yes. I was so hurt. I was so offended at that Saturday. I still remember it like yesterday because I felt like I took six hours to show my appreciation and she did not even hear it. It would be equivalent as me speaking Chinese to you and you were completely like oblivious when the other person yeah. does not have that. And you know what she all want, Lana wanted to do when she came from work? Yeah, I'm like, let's go let's for go to a park. walk. Let's go grab coffee and walk. And I was like, nature. what I did, what and I she, did. She's like, I'm tired. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm like, what I did is supposed to be enough for next six years of our marriage. This is a deposit into our love account for six months minimum. I don't have to do anything after that. And I'm and like, uh, you did that for yourself. <laughs> And then we had a, such a fight, you know, I, well, I, I was so heartbroken. And then I realized is that I am doing things to we her. We learned, yeah. Yeah, that honestly, she does not feel loved and appreciated through that. Now, I could justify that it's very important to clean the house and the car. It is. But to her, what's really important is something different. And so usually, how do you discern what is the love language of your spouse? Well, there's two things. One is you can go on the website, um, Google the five love languages and take the test. But I'm going to give you the simple one. The one area that your spouse constantly complains about is usually a cue or a clue to their love language. We never spend time together. You never buy me things. Um, you don't say that I love you. You know, um, you don't hug me. Uh, those things are cues. You know, um, you're not helping me with things in the household. Those are usually the cues of love languages. And love languages also change with time. Sometimes, you know, a person develops one thing and then with time you, you learn that they picked up another love language. When you, when you, when you have children, you know, yeah, and you no too. longer just want to go to the park. You want someone to help you around the house. Yeah. Number six, and that is date your mate. Go on weekly dates and we encourage you to take some time off, whether it's a vacation or some kind of a getaway with your spouse. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 2, 24. The word be joined in the original language means to clean, 
to catch by pursuit follow close hard after overtake pursue hard stick and take now watch this what, what you need to notice is the bible doesn't say a boy that joins to his girlfriend it comes naturally for young men to pursue their girlfriends or their fiancés because you're trying to win a person over a guy becomes enthusiastically passionate for this girl that he's in love with he is attentive he washes his car every time he picks her up if he has a bad driving record it will never show on the way to the date he opens the door and then he you know pulls the chair he is extremely has an enhanced vocabulary he doesn't just say I love you he uses emojis in the text message he buys cards he doesn't buy flowers oh man we have a story on the Valentine's 11 years ago um, uh, my, my wife first time came with her sister here and uh, I was such a we were engaged right no or we were not engaged yet not you, yet this dating? was the first time you okay. came here oh, that's uh, this nice. was yes, a, I already yes. kind of connected with you you came here and uh, you stayed at our house um, <laughs> we didn't sleep together but she stayed at the house because I was also cheap you know I didn't want to rent a hotel and stuff and I remember it like yesterday I forgot to buy flowers for Valentine's Day now whatever your idea for Valentine's Day just, just leave that out right now but I forgot to buy her flowers so what I did is I went next day to Walmart the day after Valentine's and I bought them all for 60% sale some 80% sale I bought maybe a hundred flowers roses but out of those 100 roses I think there was maybe five that were good now I had no idea because I you know was not good with girls and stuff so I didn't know I remember I brought him package like almost like literally I was ready to open like a a bootcat a bootcat uh, uh, store or something and I asked my sister I said hey could you go kind of organize it and I remember my sister sends me a text message very colorful words not curse words but she called me with very very mean words she's like you are cheap how could you why would you she's like those flowers are trash she threw all of them in the trash can and she went into yokes and bought actually really nice flowers and I presented it to Lana as though I bought it and that day I learned the importance of not buying flowers the day after the Valentine's on discount in Walmart and so yesterday I, uh, I reached out to a local um, a place that builds flowers really nice ones pricey ones and I brought I redeemed myself I told Lana I said it's 11 yeah, that's years that's exactly what he said I am redeeming <laughs> this from 11 years ago for 11 years ago and I remember nice. the pursuit when people are young when they are not married especially the man pursues and the Bible says in here a man should pursue his wife it came to me as a revelation when we were married a few years into it I was convicted by the Lord that from this scripture that the Bible does not say a single man pursues his fiance it says a man pursues his wife but the problem with men is that men a lot of times they pursue their wives until they get married and then they move on to pursue their education their business their ministry instead of continuously pursue their wives and wives don't feel loved unless they're pursued that's the weird thing about the girls they 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 need to be pursued to feel loved not just oh i i, I have a house you know i bought you a car um, you have something to wear you don't have to work you stay home mom you know i'm taking care of you but that's not how she agreed to marry you because you took care of her it's because you pursued her any boy can pursue a girl it takes a man to pursue his wife why is being pursued so important to a woman 
Um, well, like you said, it just makes a woman feel like she is important. She is not just like a secondary thing after like your job or whatever it is that, you know, she is loved. That, that's the bottom line. The woman feels loved. But also, uh, you know, I receive a lot of messages on Instagram from girls that it, they're asking me, how, how, you guys are married for 10 years. How, do you, how, the, how is it possible? How do you stay in love like that? And I, my simple response to them, it's, it's, you know, it's a work of both spouses, not just a man pursuing his woman. You know, a woman has to prioritize the relationship as well. That's good. And, you know, there has to be an emotional priority. There's a lot of, especially in our world, women work. You know, they don't just stay home even with children. You know, they, they are busy. They are exhausted emotionally. They come home and, you know, but... It is still very important to invest emotionally. You know, there are certain things you have to say no to. Maybe your girlfriends or, you know, mm -hmm. but say yes to your spouse emotionally. Be engaged to be there, especially when you have a good husband that pursues you. That makes it so much easier, you know, to stay in love and to go in your marriage with that fire. You know, it takes a builder to build a house you know yes. and we have to become wise builders of our house and we learn we study you know you don't just get married and you automatically know what to do right away no you you just you know you go to marriage conferences you learn from the couples who have been around the block for a while and they're still you know in love with each other and another i think important thing to uh underline the girls are asking me many times, so how do you, how, how are you still in love, you know, with those emo feelings and emotions towards your husband? Mm -hmm. I'm struggling with that. And my response to them is to, you know, relax. Our emotions, love is not an emotion. Love yeah. is a devotion. So and good. And it's a decision. Yes. You know, our emotions, they can go up and down. Yes. One day, I don't feel anything. And that's okay. We are still there for each other. Yes. You know, another week, you might feel a lot of emotion. So I want you to just, like, relax and know that we don't focus on emotions, even though emotions are important. Mm -hmm. You know, to feel love is important. But the reality is you, will, you won't feel love an emotion of love all the time and that's okay we go through life with kind of like you know emotional not roller coaster mm -hmm. but waves yes. and that is all right that's good that's good number seven and i understand we have children also watching this live stream so we will keep it pg uh, sex is a super glue in marriage it's interesting because when you're single the devil does everything in his book to push you to have sex and the same devil the moment you get married changes his tactic to push couples who are married from having sex the devil is behind couples not having sex and this is why because sex is like a super glue it glues you together god created sexual intimacy and sexual physical expression to be enjoyed in marriage not only for procreation but also for pleasure and also because it shows that it brings God glory when couples are spending time and also having a physical relationship. Now we understand a lot of times, uh, one thing that I would like to mention, and this is, you know, for the guys, we must uh, 
understand that as guys you know our our sex drive our physical drive for physical intimacy is a lot more stronger it's just off and on button it's very easy uh, for girls it's a little bit different and one of the things that I remember when we were going to uh, marriage counseling before we got married and they mentioned the example from book of Proverbs that a woman is presented as a deep well and a man is like a fountain and, and the guy literally <laughs> kind of painted a very graphic picture you know he's like you know fountains you just click you know button in the water fountain and water always comes out and the well doesn't work like that the wall the well you have to draw the water out and he mentions something he says that that physical intimacy does not start in the bed it starts in the kitchen it starts a day before and how the man acts and how the woman acts the emotional intimacy precedes physical intimacy and so we really want to encourage those of you or couples you know who live and maybe you're already sleeping on different beds or maybe you are sleeping in different rooms and you just simply are partners you're no longer um, invested into each other as a guy I know you're probably you know watching you're like you're saying things like man I would love to have more physical intimacy with my wife but let me ask you a question are you emotionally as engaged with your wife as you want your wife to be physically engaged with you because she doesn't want to sleep with a stranger if she's always has her own life and you're totally not interested to emotionally pursue her then you will usually not have a lot of physical interest in response and the two other parts that are important to highlight and that is if there is an addiction to pornography in marriage physical intimacy will struggle you have to remove pornography completely from your secret lives from your together lives even if both of you according to some kind of a marriage counselor have has agreed to this demonic idea to involve pornography to spice up your marriage you brought a demon into your marriage you gotta throw that out because pornography is not real it's an act it's like me trying to be an iron man this will never work it's going to destroy my body and I'm going to kill myself because that's an act that's a movie that's not real and God never wants us to take from pornography lessons into a physical relationship and the other part and that is abuse sometimes because people grow, grew up being molested or raped or abused they walk into marriage these hurts they don't leave and you can try to have physical intimacy with the person and pursue each other and the other person is very limited or feels very scared and it's important not to push your right for their body as the scripture says but to understand you are involved in the healing process you might need to see counseling you might need to even go through deliverance you might need to see help for this area in your sexual life but most important part that I would encourage and that is you speak frankly and speak plainly concerning your physical intimacy is there anything you would like to add uh, yeah I would like to add um, you know and again that comes from the questions that I receive on social media from certain ladies they uh, one girl complained that she lost absolutely every kind of sexual desire towards her husband and you know and yes there's a lot of components that can be you know in that situation but I told her you know it's so easy for you now to get, get affection for someone else just like that and it's a spiritual problem because yes. this is the devil that is trying to you know separate and yes. bring uh, divorce and destruction to any relationship yes. that you will ever be involved if you divorce your husband and I you know gave an advice you know that there has to be a certain kind of either healing or deliverance yes. spiritual deliverance to take place you know because the, the devil is you know taking that affection away from your or husband. how many times we see when people get delivered 
the demon who um, steals becomes a spiritual husband or a spiritual wife um, and so when you don't have a sexual desire uh, for your spouse and it's not just physical but it's a spiritual seek spiritual help because God ordained for this relationship to have this flame this fire of physical connection it's the only relationship where that is highly encouraged and that is to be enjoyed we're going quickly through this our time is coming to an end and number eight don't compete with other couples God is writing your own love story don't steal his pen and so anything would you like to add to that about not comparing yourself especially right now on Instagram you know people don't post their struggles they only post their highlights they post their best things they take really nice angles of how they look their houses they post the best things about their house they post the smiley faces their marriage can be falling into like I know some couples who are honestly right now living like cats and dogs don't even live in the same house but they still post photos and they still post these really nice quotations and how amazing their marriage is it's just a lot of balonies and so and a lot of people today are having tension in their marriage not because their marriage is struggling it's because they constantly compare it to somebody else's marriage that they don't know who's still struggling yeah, yeah and like we say comparison kills it truly does kill especially for women if you're comparing you know your husband to some man of God, you know, some uh, person that you don't even know or even person that you do know that is better in certain area at this point of life, you know, that's gonna kill your respect for the husband that you should carry and that is not acceptable. You have to respect your husband, honor him and not compare yourself to uh, or compare your man to some other man or man of God. <laughs> And same thing with wives, you know, maybe some wife, she's so gifted in this, she's a preacher, she's this and that, and uh, you know, I wish that she would be like that. It's going to kill your, kill your relationship. The Bible says we run the race looking unto Jesus, not to another person's marriage. We don't look to the Instagram, we look to Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of, perfecter of our faith. Uh, in our faith, mm -hmm. in our finances, in our fitness, and in our family, run your own race just because and these two couples they always work out together it doesn't mean that's going to be your situation just because oh they already look at the cars that they drive look at the business that they have that might not be your situation oh look they're both in ministry they're both traveling together listen that's not your story yeah like or, or even uh look uh my husband is not as spiritual that's that's the comments sometimes i mm -hmm. receive what do i do how do i change that like you know what you you don't try to change you know anything about your husband Honor him as he is and trust God, you know, that honor he will him bring higher, higher and he will rise yes, to that level. Yes. Don't honor him as he is because that's, 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 but if you honor him higher, honor him the man that you want to see and then he will rise to the occasion. By comparing him, he'll never be like somebody else's husband. If you wanted that other husband, you should have married the other husband and stuff. So, but if you got married with and that also, brother. also, <laughs> never say or even verbalized such words that i wish you were like that person. oh jesus that is the oh. worst thing you can do oh, to your God. husband <laughs> repent I, I would if i would be you i'd be, I'd be hashtagging right now repent and stuff so yeah if you're saying yeah i wish you could be more like if you say that okay you deserve to be beaten with 49 stripes not uh, 39 stripes and that, that is that's so painful that is so hurtful when you begin to compare you know if I would come into my wife and say you know in the beginning I had the desire before I met my wife is that I wanted to have you know a worship leader a prophetess 
an intercessor, uh, like my grandma, has 16 children. And then, so I took all the women that I've seen in the world and I combined the best versions of it and I put it into the one, this one imaginable person. You know, I didn't, of course, myself was not like all of the high qualities of what it is to be a man but I just expected her to be like that and I remember before I and got married none of the above <laughs> yeah and then she has to cook like my mom she has to have as many kids as my grandma a heart of mother Teresa the voice of Joyce Meyer the anointing of Catherine Coleman and the voice of Carrie Joe you know and uh, and of course the looks of somebody in Hollywood and so you combine that and that person doesn't even exist in heaven <laughs> like that doesn't exist nowhere because each person has their strengths and their weaknesses and when I met my wife you know she, she is not um, necessarily a preacher she's not a worship leader she's not an intercessor she loves to pray she's not like my grandma she doesn't have 16 children and on the top of that she doesn't cook like my mom she doesn't enjoy cooking at all and stuff and so and what had to happen is adjusting to the person that you married and understand that um, you did not marry her because if I wanted a cook I hire a cook okay I'm not marrying a cook I'm marrying a friend or cook yourself yeah <laughs> Take a moment, just recap right now. Oh yeah, cook yourself. I mean, what a revelation, huh? And stuff. And so, yeah. yeah. Never mind. Number nine. <laughs> so we get it. Pretty much the whole idea is that, you know, we're not marrying, you know, a worship leader. Uh, you're not marrying a pastor. You're marrying a man that you love, that you respect. And God, if he gifts him or, she, or her with certain particular gifts, which what comes in number nine, that we have to learn to adjust to that. And this is a big one in our culture where women work. Women a lot of times may sometimes even make more money than men. They have positions of influence way greater than even their husbands. Number nine, let your spouse grow as an individual without drifting apart. Yes, and this is a huge one that we actually also went through and had to learn. There is kind of three um, stages, if I can say it that way. There is one that's overly dependent couple. That is usually comes when you're like a newlywed or sometimes some people have that throughout their whole marriage. And that is not healthy when we are overly dependent on each other that we don't have friends. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we have mutual friends, but we... We are just always together. Let's do everything together. Let's 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 do everything together. You know that is kind of like unhealthy because that could lead to you know to people losing their individuality, mm -hmm. which God does not want us to yes. do. That you know their second and one. Submission does not mean you lose who you are. You know yes. Jesus is submitted yes. to the Father. But Jesus is still unique. Jesus is still a person. Jesus, you know, in Godhead, Jesus is submitted to the Father, but Jesus is still equal to the Father. And so when the wife submits to her husband, and many people find it very offensive, especially who are in the culture, uh, that doesn't mean that a wife loses her identity. It doesn't mean that she loses her life. Marriage doesn't, is not a prison sentence, sentence. And I see sometimes these marriages, especially with some of the men of God that, that I know, that honestly, their wife, literally, it's, it's like a little pet just kind of walks around them has no life of their own has nothing else she cannot even do and it's like you can't be with friends why because I'm afraid you're gonna spill some secrets and you people are gonna know you now and they're gonna know more things about me and there's this overly dependence and this person walking around has no life whatsoever you're looking at them you're like they're dead and stuff that's not what marriage is supposed to be the second stage is is over dependence no. no, overly independent. Uh -huh. yeah. Indep overly. Totally independent. Yes, totally. And I, I even remember the time that we had to readjust ourselves to, mm -hmm. you know, when you come out of the stage overly dependence, 
you know, and you learn this and you side. discover that, oh my gosh, we are two separate people anyways. And you begin to We're automatically, go to separately. yeah, we go to heaven separately. We, you know, we are separate people. Yes, it's true. But then it, there's this temptation to drift apart from each other and become overly independent. And I remember we even had to make this readjustment is because, because we are completely separate people in a way that we like different things and we became so comfortable i'm doing my own thing you know vlad is doing his own thing and we realized that is not healthy as well because yes. it's drifting us apart we're becoming you know in on that path you can become strangers living in one house yes. it's very unhealthy and what's the third one? And the, the last one is the healthy one. Is It's called interdependence. When we are two separate individuals, you know, growing individually and also as one, as a couple, you know, in Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And number 10 is, that's the last one. And this is where it's leading to what Pastor Ilya mentioned. And that is marriage is a priority, but it's not your purpose. Mission of Jesus is the purpose of marriage. Um, I'm going to say something that is going to be controversial, but I really believe it, that um, it's not God first, your marriage second, and your ministry third. I don't believe in that. I'm going to tell you why. The moment you make marriage a center of marriage, it's the best way to destroy it. Marriage thrives the best when it has a mission and ministry to God. I'm not talking about full-time ministry. I'm talking about serving God. I'm talking about where both of you, whether it's helping the poor, whether it's leading a life group, you are ministering to somebody else, then God takes responsibility for your marriage. Marriage is always a priority, but it, it's not the purpose. The purpose is the mission of Jesus on this earth. And for us, that is that. Um, now, we, we are fortunate that both of us are in the staff and the staff in the church. But even before that, you know, we both said that we will be both involved. We will be serving God together. Now, that doesn't mean that every night we are in church. It doesn't mean that every single morning we are in church but it simply means that the purpose of this marriage is to serve God not just to believe in God not just to believe in Jesus not just to get to heaven but that we bring people to Jesus that we help the poor that we help the orphans and the widows that we lead other people that we make disciples and I've seen God bless our marriage and I've seen God bless marriages of couples who don't make their marriage a priority who, excuse me who don't make their marriage their purpose but who make God's mission their purpose couples who miss church on Sunday mornings we're working on our marriage you gotta be kidding me oh we're working on our it's our family day you made your family into an idol God will never bless that kind of idol there's only the first commandment is not thou shall love your husband and your wife it says thou shall love the Lord your God and the second one is not thou shall love your children or your spouse is to love your neighbor what does this mean God says I want you to make me your priority and your purpose and then with your family serve that purpose husbands take your wife and your children to church oh but they don't want to go to church lead them 80% of wives and children will go to church if the husband will step up if you think for a moment we are going to skip church we're going to skip prayers we're going to skip life groups but we're going to spend a family together if you look realistically at that family time every child is in a different room on a different ipad every room has a different netflix login that's not family time that's hollywood time you're not spending time with the Holy Spirit. You're spending time. They're drinking poison. 
And next thing that happens, 15-year-old girl and she's already pregnant. 15-year-old guy and he's already on drugs. And then you find out you and your wife, you know, are headed for a divorce, sleeping in two different rooms. When you make your family into an idol, you will have big problems. When you make Jesus and his mission as the center of your family. I am not saying that you spend 24-7 in church, but that you make Jesus's mission as the goal. You will be surprised. Your marriage not only will last, but there will be a blessing of God on it. Yes, and uh, you know, as individuals, as human beings, we need purpose yes. to thrive in, in, in our life, in, in this world you know because we were created for a purpose and also the marriage needs a purpose if there is no purpose if marriage is the purpose it's kind of like it's a dead end you know the marriage is a representation of Christ and the church and we have to reflect that and and guess what Jesus Christ gave the mission to the church here on earth church is not just about the church around itself yes. you know the church has a mission yes. and we as a reflection of Christ in our marriage we have to have mission for the marriage to thrive and to be blessed and to be fulfilling in our lives it's a river not a reservoir it's not a bottle don't bottleneck your marriage I remember when we went to uh, I think either our first year of marriage or right before we got married we went to a marriage seminar in Vancouver Washington and I remember this guy preached the sermon on the marriage and he said this that he always stuck with me he says if your marriage builds God's kingdom God will build your marriage I remember it like yesterday and stuff and so and honestly we made a decision that to the best that we can we will try to travel together to preach the gospel together we will try to serve together we will try to uh, my wife has a life group I have a life group we both have we are involved as a Christians I'm not talking about right now as a pastors as a Christians involved in the mission of Jesus because it gives us an outlook it gives us an outflow and it gives us something gives us it gives our life a meaning and we don't struggle with this boredom because boredom is a step for one step away from being in bondage and stuff your marriage has a purpose your marriage has a meaning and some of you that's what you're lacking and it's more than just raising healthy children and even raising healthy children they have to be raised around parents that are serving God don't hide behind this thing I believe in God listen honey demons believe in God they're still going to hell it's not enough to believe in God you got to serve him you got to give your life for him and and it's not about me discovering just my gifts it's about me denying myself to fulfill the assignment of Jesus Christ you know I look at my parents they raised five children I look at my grandma you know they raised you know 16 children they didn't raise because they were experts in parenting they raised they took us always to church God was always honored and served in our family I saw that and though my parents were not experts but they raised us with that natural inclination toward that and I want to raise my family I want to be an example not only of loving each other but that our marriage loves God more than we love each other we don't make idol out of our marriage we make God as the center of our marriage if you're watching us right now maybe you're part of hungry gen family perhaps you walked away from the church already and maybe business kids career jobs I want to invite you to save your marriage before you destroy your marriage put God first in your marriage bring God back into your marriage put Jesus as the center I know you're busy and I know that on Sunday morning you are tired and to get all of your children is probably harder than getting through the book of Leviticus it's not easy 
but nevertheless it's worth it let them grow up knowing that we serve God not just on Sunday morning but pray with your children every day read your Bible let them see let them see the father and the mother in the Bible not just on Amazon video prime not just you know consuming the the TV shows and movies constantly browsing through TikTok bring Jesus and his mission in the center of your relationship come back to church reprioritize the COVID thing you're going you know already publicly so the COVID thing is no longer a problem for for our church and so welcome back to church come back if you're part of hungry gen family but you and your spouse have not made a decision to grow further into the vision of Jesus Christ you know you're so focused on healing each other and it's already been five years and you're realizing you're so healed that you're tearing each other up now you're you're finding frictions and it's not just because you have problems it's because you have become now the center of each other God doesn't bless selfishness he blesses service sign up for the destiny training tomorrow you tell your husband you tell your wife saying you know what honey it's time God given us a house God has given us friends it's time to begin to leverage our marriage to advance the mission of Jesus Christ on this earth it's time to leverage our marriage to advance the kingdom of God on this earth it's time to use our house to bring our friends and family to bring them to Jesus Christ it's time for us to now help other people we're not perfect but we are in the process of serving other people we are in the process of being involved in the persons hey guys I hope you enjoyed this week's message if you like what you've heard, you can find more of this great content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, and even Pinterest. In other words, we would love to connect with you for the latest and greatest info on all conferences and internships. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.